Welcome to the Packaging Therapist Podcast, the show where we discuss technical packaging problems so that you can solve them for your business. Thanks for joining us at the Packaging Scholars Podcast. Today, I am joined by Deepak from NatureWorks. And so, Deepak, tell us a little about yourself and a little bit about NatureWorks. We're really curious. Yeah, thanks, Jessica, for having me on the podcast. Um, uh, I'm an applications development engineer at NatureWorks. And for those of you who may not be familiar with the company, uh, we're based in Minneapolis. Our plant is in Blair, Nebraska, and we are a global supplier of polylactic acid resin or PLA is it shortened to usually. We have one plant in Blair, like I mentioned, and then the second plant, very excited to share that it's coming up in the 2025 time range in Bangkok, Thailand. Fantastic. And so um, we did a previous podcast with Andrea, and she was more on the rigid plastic side of NatureWorks, whereas you and I today are going to talk about the flexible space. So I think a lot of folks would think of NatureWorks, if you're familiar with PLA, kind of started in the, the rigid um, category of offerings. And now you have resins that can be applied towards um, flexible packaging as well. So do you want to talk a little bit um, about that? Sure. Yeah. If we, if we can maybe back up a second, I mean, NatureWorks does supply resin into a variety of applications and it's been doing so for a little over two decades now, um, which grand scheme of things with plastics is not that long, but for biopolymers, it is, it is yeah. uh, quite exciting. So applications, you know, go from using PLA and NGO PLA and 3D printing, uh, fibers non-wovens, and what we're going to talk a little bit more about today, flex packaging. So a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so can you explain a little bit about the differences between bio-based um, and flexible, conventional flexibles? Yeah, so the first obvious one is is in the name. It's bio-based as as opposed to petro-based for some of the incumbent uh, polymers that are out there in the industry. So what NatureWorks does is take uh, sugars from an annually renewable resource like corn in North America because that's that's the cheapest source of sugar for us. Uh, we take that dextrose, ferment it to lactic acid, convert the lactic acid into an intermediate we call lactide, and then polymerize the lactide into PLA resin which we then sell into the market as NGO. Okay, fantastic. And so as we think about um, pivoting towards more biopolymers versus um, conventional, can you talk a little bit about like why they're better um, overall? So you've got this end of life, right? Where if you have like a single material, like a thermoformed NatureWorks product that resin's converted into that, you could do some industrial composting, but then as we kind of look into multi-layer films, um, can you speak some benefit there? Like if it can't be industrial composted, what are still some environmental benefits of using um, PLA? Sure. So a lot of the grades that we do sell into, uh, into the Flexpack space are still industrially compostable. Um, okay. For example, uh, you know, we have a heat seal layer that can be used um, by itself. So 100% NGO that can be for its end of life industrially composted mm-hmm. um, or you can blend it with other uh, biopolymers as well so for example we have a, a collaboration now with cj bio who's a manufacturer of amorphous pha and so mm-hmm. blends of those uh, kind of lend uh, different properties from each of the polymers kind of coming together uh, to make higher performing 
film structure, for example, that can also be industrially compostable. Fantastic. So you can keep kind of, you could either go, you could go either way, right? Sure. Um, if you needed like a, a metalized layer that wouldn't be compostable, um, there's still benefits to adding a PLA layer to a structure either way, right? Yeah. So when you metalize uh, a biopolymer film like NGO PLA or uh, any of the other biopolymer blends that NGO can be kind of combined with uh, and you metalize yeah. it, the, the metalization uh, layer is very thin um, and it's still con the, the whole structure is still considered okay. uh, industrially compostable. You do have to test for it and kind of get it certified. But uh, that is a common strategy that's used in the market to enable improved barrier properties such as uh, WVTR and OTR is um, Got it. having a, yeah. a metal layer. Can you say a little bit about um, carbon footprint in PLA? Because sometimes people just think of like, okay, it's the source of resin is from corn, that's bio, but then also manufacturing the resin and then converting it into like a film or structure. What does it look like through the whole like production of the the final packaging? Yeah, that's a good question. And our website, uh, natureworkslc.com has a whole uh, section dedicated to eco profile and calculating life cycle analysis. And you can imagine uh, going from kind of uh, the starting feed materials out to a finished article that those calculations can be pretty uh, involved. So yeah. we do have kind of a breakup on our website that, that highlights some of the um, metrics that are used into kind of gauging the life cycle or the, um, eco profile of these materials. Um, mm -hmm. you know, one of them is looking at greenhouse gas emissions, uh, that occur when you manufacture one kilogram of NGO polymer. So basically, mm -hmm. uh, how many kilograms of CO2 equivalents are produced per kilogram of NGO polymer manufactured mm -hmm. and, uh, with our given plant, um, the numbers, for example, are at least a factor lower for angiopolymer than some of the incumbents out there like polypropylene or uh, polyethylene-based materials. The other metric we can use is how much uh, non-renewable energy it takes to manufacture a kilogram of angiopolymer. Um, and when you look at that and compare it to some of the petrol-based materials uh, like your hips or your polystyrenes, again, polypropylenes, um, you know, it's about, depending on what plastic you look at, it's about half those. So those are just some easy metrics to kind of look at and engage you. That's quick. fantastic. Yeah, so it can help you reach your sustainability goals kind of in a couple different ways, right? Yep, yep. Okay. Especially if decarbonization so, is, sorry, yeah. is, is, is the goal. If decarbonization is the goal, you know, it's an easy way to kind of look and see how well this material fits into your strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And there's different ways of having conversations too around what, what, what's needed and then how you get there. So in terms of, in terms of that, what kind of products are a good fit, um, for a PLA film? And, and we talked, we touched a little bit about blends. So really it's kind of a, a story of how do you creatively solve for whatever the product needs, um, in testing different blends or different layering. Um, but maybe you could speak at like a high level if, someone's interested, they, they sell different products and what types of questions should they ask or have right. in mind? Right. And at the end of the day, we always kind of leave with performance because if that's not there, then 
typically the rest of it doesn't really matter. So, um, you know, your, your blends or your neat resin have to have that performance for the end use application. That being said, you know, we see a lot of use for injure resin or blends with injure resin in anything from, you know, uh, garbage can liners that you would put your compostables in and yeah. that, that gets sent to the composting site. Anything from there to, you know, uh, lidding for coffee capsules, for example. Um, and, and then the one that I think everybody is familiar with is the snack pack, uh, snack package, like the uh, chip bag, for example, yeah. like a sun chips bag, for example. And um, that's really where it makes a lot of sense because it is a way to divert food waste. Uh, if you uh, have a, have a compostable container to bring it to the compost site after use. And then given that NGO doesn't really have some of the chemicals of concerns that other plastics maybe do like BPAs or uh, mm -hmm. now BFAs. Um, yeah, something, an application with food contact is, is something that makes a lot of sense for, for the FlexPack space. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you said something, you said Sun Chips. And I remember when Sun Chips launched with their PLA bag and I think all of the technical nerds like myself, we were really excited, but then that bag was really loud. It was kind of a fail, right? No one could sneak chips anymore. So, um, do you think, do you think, uh, capabilities of, um, the films have changed? Like, could we, could Sun Chips do it again with a less loud bag now? Whereas in the past, all they had was that kind of option. It's, it's funny you bring up, nobody could sneak a bag of Sun Chips, you know? So <laughs> what was considered a problem for some of us consumers? Uh, we've heard that from, you know, some store owners, that was a great attribute to that packaging because it was like a theft deterrent nobody could ever like walk oh. out with a sun chips bag so no, funny funny <laughs> different perspective. yeah um so yeah no it's a good point that you bring up um yeah it, it's true that um pepsi in this case and i have to you know tip my hat to them a little bit for making that investment and like taking that first step into, into developing uh an, an industrially compostable snack package which at the time, uh, yeah, was deemed to be a little too crunchy, I guess. And so Pepsi had done quite a bit of work and figured out how to kind of modulate that sound. And since then, you know, they've come quite far with other, other entrants to the market. Like I mentioned, CJ Bio, who's got an amorphous PHA. Yeah. And, and we've done some blend work with that material and we've shown, and I, should have brought a film sample with me to show you the difference in sound. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yes. Um, you just have to take my word for it, but um, yeah. you know, it's, it's definitely a, a much more muted sound compared to unmodified PLA. So yeah, so um, advances. yeah, for sure. There, there are definitely, um, you know, improvements and different technologies and approaches to solving that one, what some people thought was a problem. The audible, right? Yeah. <laughs> They need to make, they need to use like for, for animal treat bags or something. So the animals, like the pets can hear <laughs> their trees are coming yep. out of the ground. That's right. um, okay. So we touched a little bit about on, again, like about different blends and things and, and you kind of mentioned performance first. And so say a little bit about how these films can be um, closely aligned in terms of performance characteristics with the conventional film. So I think in some cases, uh, you know, you could have parity in performance, uh, depending on what the application is. But again, it is it is a different polymer than, say, 
uh, a polypropylene. So there is a little bit of a learning curve as to how to process it and what needs to be tweaked to get the uh, final performance. Um, it is it is a bio-based polyester, so it comes with its different set of operating parameters, for example. Um, yeah. So uh, I, th I think it, I think it all depends on what the final use is, the performance requirements, and sure. things available to um, kind of make make sure it fits those those critical product needs. Okay. Um, in terms of applications, so like if somebody's thinking about potentially using a NatureWorks resin in a package, do you, do you think there are solutions that exist or are there solutions that exist across like all the temp states? So in the refrigerator, the, the, um, the freezer and at ambient that films can perform provided the right blends. Are yeah, there? yeah. 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 Thank you. I think, I think there's definitely um, application spaces in which those formulations could be used in those different temperature regimes. Um, you may yeah. have to formulate a little bit differently for something that's, uh, you know, going to be exposed to sub-zero temperatures or, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I think um, there are today applications out there in the market that kind of fit into some of those uh, temperature ranges as well, whether it be room temperature or, you know, low temperature um, yeah. frozen goods. Cool. So in terms of any other pieces of information that we want to help um, our audience understand around using biopolymers. Um, are there any other questions or topics that often come up or frequently asked questions regarding the application or the use case for biopolymers that you want to share? Um, I think I think other than just the you know on the on the front end um, kind of how you process biopolymers. That's that's always a uh, a big question for the market and. Um, like I said before, there's definitely a, a, a learning curve, um, not unmanageable, but, you know, um, if you're consistently processing a polyolefin, switching to a polyester is a little bit of a, uh, a shift in how you, how you process that material, but it does get yeah. run on, on existing lines with a few tweaks. Um, for example, like pre-drying it before melt processing it, which is sure. right. typical with PETs and nylons. So not, not nothing that that's uh unmanageable um mm -hmm. and then i i think the other question that comes up quite a bit is um kind of optimizing it for for existing equipment um you know while petroleum-based polymers have been around for you know at this point say 100 years we've had a lot of time to kind of yeah. optimize it and kind of figure out and, and work the supply chain around how those materials are processed, whereas with biopolymers, it's relatively a nascent technology. It's 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 new sure. and uh, still gaining adoption, still in its early stages. So um, that's I think as more and more people get interested in it, as more and more people start using it, and kind of adoption grows, we expect that you know questions like that would be uh, far and few in between. Sure, yeah. And do you feel like so you're you're selling the resin to converters? Do you think? Tell me a little bit about the the converter landscape. So are there certain converters that are better at different layer structures for different applications? Or how does someone go about trying to find the best um, converter for their for their product? Um, I, I, I would say 
the easiest shift would be someone that's already a polyester converter because the you know the concept of dryers and things like that and um, you know managing uh, process conditions and hydrolysis and all of those things aren't foreign to them. Um, sure. So sure, that makes sense. And so I think I think that would be kind of the easiest easiest uh, converter to to kind of connect with if if you want yeah. to run biopolymers, um, you know. But also uh, at this point, there are quite a few manufacturers and equipment suppliers out there that have a lot of experience running biopolymers, um, not just uh, NGO, but you know the, some of the other new ones that have come out in the market as well. So that's another great resource as well. And then okay. you know, finally connecting with uh, the material supplier like like NatureWorks, um, you know, where this is kind of what our job is. So is to kind of help the market and, uh, um, you know, work with them to kind of figure out how to how to get a, a product out into the uh, into the application space that they're in. OK, fantastic. So NatureWorks could be kind of that that hub where you could help connect if they need a new supplier, for example, you don't want to just Google, right? You want like someone to help you kind of guide sure. down, the, down the path. So you end up in the right space. So that's, that's yep. a conversation that, okay. Nature works. Yeah, can sure. need. Okay. Yeah, Fantastic. definitely a practical resource. And then I would say we also have a public affairs group that can really talk to the end of life options and the beginning of life, things like LCA eco profile. What do you need to certify compostability? What's, you know, what can be communicated, what can be marketed, what can be positioned. So uh, we do have a lot of experience in that space as well. And we have a whole group right. dedicated to kind of managing that. So um, that I would say is another great resource that uh, converters or brand owners in the market can use NatureWorks for. Right. So we keep sustainability claims kind of clean as opposed to kind of greenwashing or misleading people. These are Which, folks that can help communicate yep. what's actually, yeah, the claims and what's actually benefiting. So that makes sense. Yep. And even how to position certain things. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So we covered a lot. We talked about biopolymers in general, some of the options and opportunities in the flexible space, um, when it makes sense to think about uh, biopolymer resins and the fact that you guys can help bridge between, you know, the, the resin that you make and then potential converters that um, folks can call to understand capabilities and kind of start off on the right foot. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap up? Um, no, just um, excited for, for seeing more adoption of these materials in the market. Uh, I mean, it's taken us 20-ish years to get to this point. So really thankful for our customers and of course our parent companies that have invested in the technology and continue to do so. Um, yeah, looking forward to kind of seeing that adoption really grow, take off in the market. Yeah, I agree. Me too. Well, thank you, Deepak, for joining us today. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Jessica. All right. And if anyone's curious to learn more, contact information will be in the show notes. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you.